welcome to this episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. And my guest today is a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, actress, and author, Jamie Grace. At just 11 years old, Jamie was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety. By age 19, she was nominated for a Grammy for a song she wrote in college, and her career skyrocketed in a matter of months. While this would be a dream for any aspiring musician, Jamie's dreams collided with the symptoms of her diagnosed illnesses. Over the years, Jamie has turned to medication, counseling, and prayer, and found that through a combination of purposeful habits and her faith in Jesus, she's able to manage her thoughts and find rest and quiet in order to hear the Lord's voice louder than others. As Jamie writes in her newest book, Finding Quiet, I've spent most of my adult life trying to figure out the line between my clinically diagnosed anxiety and my character flaws and emotional weaknesses and how in the world I should recover. In our conversation today, Jamie vulnerably shares her lowest moments of pain and self-doubt and her journey in search of freedom that she's learned to find in the quiet moments of her life. Well, Jamie Grace, welcome to the Her Story Speaks podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I have to tell you, you've been, I've had this podcast for about two and a half years and you've been on my list for a little bit. Um, Oh, that's so cool. Your story hits home with me because, well, first of all, I have two daughters. One is almost 18 and she was a huge fan of yours, (laughs) but my 11 year old She's, ah, I'm going to tear up. Goodness gracious. Um, uh, she is also diagnosed with, when she was nine, diagnosed with ADHD, OCD, mm. and she does not diagnose with Tourette's, but she has tics pretty that affect her life. So your yeah. story has always touched me just knowing like she can still be all who God wants her to be despite these oh, things yeah. that are in her way. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to her about you and even with your new book coming out, I've read parts of it. And show, so you're an inspiration and to this mama that can tell her daughter about you and your story. Just, I thank you for mm. being honest and vulnerable about it. And still, of course, yeah. so we'll get into your story and all of that, of course. And we're going to talk about your new book that you have coming out called Finding Quiet, Your Journey to Peace in This Anxious World, where you share even more of your story. So before we do that, Jamie, just tell us who you are in your day to day, where you live, who you live with, all of that. Yeah. So my name's Jamie. I live in Arizona. Uh, I lived in California for the last few years, and then uh, earlier this year, uh, my family was making the move because it made a little bit more sense for my mom, for her health, to be in an even warmer climate than okay. California. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, fortunately, uh, I'm, I'm married, I have a, a little girl, and we have kind of, like, our jobs, we can just kind of like up and go with the flow. So we were like, well, you're not moving without us. Uh, <laughs> you're awesome. the best we have. Uh, and uh, my sister and her husband, they were like, we all aren't moving without us. So um, I'm very blessed to live within like half an hour of my whole family. We see each other every other day. Um, my husband, Aaron, we've been married about two and a half years. And then we have a one-year-old named Isabella. And my day-to-day is like 
usually whenever she decides that we wake up anytime between six and eight <laughs> and then Isabella dictates your day to day, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> At least until about one when my husband and I do our trade off for the day. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, and then I <laughs> go to work. Yeah. So she is, she is a goofball and she is just like, yeah, she's great. So much of our world centers around her, which we love. I mean, like yesterday, Aaron and I spent most of the day going back and forth to Home Depot to build her a stage in our house because you know a one-year-old needs a stage um we just love her so much so um that's a lot of my life but of course when I'm not with my humans I I'm making music and making YouTube videos and most recently writing a book that's right. You have you have definitely got a full plate, and you were a woman of many <laughs> wears many hats. So, oh, I, one of the things, one of the quotes I wanted to share before we dive in, because I think it's important, not related to your book, but related a little bit to what's going on in the world. Um, just looking through your Instagram. Oh, a couple of weeks ago when we were, I knew we were having this interview and it really struck me. You said non-black friends as you're amplifying the voices of black people on racism and just and injustice. Don't forget that we are also experts excelling in leading areas such as, such as theology, art, science, psychology, graphic design, culinary arts, linguistics, and so much more. And that was such a good reminder, especially to me as somebody that's trying to amplify the voices of women in color of color. It's like, yeah. It shouldn't just be the focus. Like all we're going to talk about is racism and injustice. Like right. yes, that's huge and important, but we're also losing sight of the fact of the talented women of color that are excelling in the areas like you do. So that's why oh, thank you. other many reasons I'm thrilled to have you on today, but um, thank we'll you so it. much. So before we do talk about your music and your book, let's just dive into your story. Can you tell us about your childhood, where you were brought up, your parents, and just wherever you want to start? In yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was born in California, actually. That's where my parents met. And when I was about one, um, they uh, they moved. We, well, we all moved to Georgia. So I spent most of my childhood in Georgia. So it's confusing sometimes because I'm like, oh, I live in Arizona, but well, I used to live in California, but <laughs> I'm a Georgia girl at heart. Okay. Um, I lived there from the age of one until like 22. And so my dad started um, a church there when I was about three years old. Um, and so I grew up in church. I was homeschooled. My sister and I both were homeschooled. Um, and we just, I feel like we had like, I mean, like the best childhood like our family is just yeah. it was just great like we really like both of our parents they were such a good example or still are such a good example of like just like a healthy and beautiful like god honoring marriage um and then they made it very beautifully clear that they came first like their marriage came first and then our ki- us kids were second and then the ministry was third um and i, I don't hear that, that happening a lot um it took me a while to recognize that 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 was like a part of like my own privilege that i had to own because that's not something that a lot of uh pastors kids grow up with um a lot of pastors kids you know oftentimes can grow up and resent the church um but I grew up in, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there was definitely a lot of challenge there as well, but like, I kind of grew up with like, Hmm, maybe I should start a church because we just enjoyed it so much. Um, 
but like also at 28 now i'm kind of like no i don't think i'm supposed to start a church <laughs> like, right. I'm, like no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh, right. but yeah but we had like a really great childhood um i was i started having symptoms of of medical complexities when i was about nine years old okay. um and when i was 11 is when i got my full diagnosis uh which is Tourette syndrome ocd adhd and anxiety but even then like how i mean there was a significant amount of like challenge that came with that. But at the same time, like, because my home was such a safe place for me and was such just like a place of joy, I think it really helped to kind of balance the trauma that I was experiencing uh, as far as my brain and my health went. Um, so I'm just really grateful for like the foundation that my parents were able to provide because I think it had a significant uh, impact on the adult that I uh, eventually would become. So for sure. I mean, and as a mom that has a daughter with similar um, issues, I mean, that's, it's important for me to hear. And what would you tell, I'm just curious, moms like me that might have young kids with issues, um, the OCD, anxiety, Tourette's, like what is some of, do you think the most important things that your mom did raising you? Um, yeah. I mean, I think one of the main things is that like, I, I don't, I feel like my mom was really good at, at celebrating every moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and not so like, and not looking at it in too big of a picture, if that makes sense. So like mm -hmm. not looking at it like, Oh, well, like my, so for example, my sister is two years older than me. Um, and you know, she's like, she will get weird if I say this in front of her, but she's really smart. Like she can read a book in like 30 seconds and like tell you everything that just happened. Like she's so smart. And so, um, she was finished with high school at like 13 or something. I don't really know exactly what age, but she was just like so smart. And, I feel like it, like my mom could have made me feel like, you know, that was like the standard, you know, and then like, well, you, cause like, so by the time, like I was like 11 or 12, like she would have been like, so shouldn't you be in 11th grade by now? Like, you know, mm -hmm. shouldn't we be looking at the bigger picture? Like what about college and stuff like that? And I just, my mom was just very much like, well, what do you want to do now? Like what brings you joy today? Like mm -hmm. what can you create today? You know? Um, and that was just like, she never made me feel like, I don't know, like she found this balance of like, obviously who you are at 11 might make an impact on who you are at 25, but she never, she never made me feel like, oh, well, you got to get this under control or you got to figure this out or you got to, because when your sister was this age, she was already doing X, Y, Z. So I, I think that was one thing yeah. that was just really beneficial. It's just like her just really being able to be present with me. Um, and not get too overworked or too overwhelmed about other people's expectations and, and society's expectations of me and stuff like that. So it, it helped me to feel like I didn't have to really rush. I could just figure out, okay, what is God saying to me right now in this moment? And, you know, and, and I, and I say all that at the same time where it's like, I know I've only been a mom for what, like 15 months and five days, but like at the same time, it's like, well, then like add, you know, the pregnancy onto that too. Cause that counts as motherhood. That's a hard part of it. Uh, <laughs> that, that counts. Uh, but like, but like I say that, but like, I'm also like saying that to myself, you know, cause I'm always like, even as a mom, like I call my mom all the time. Like, am I, is she broken? 
like is she fine like am i doing a good job you know so it's like i have to remind myself often to like stay in the present with my daughter like hey like just because like she didn't remember the days of the week even though you've been teaching her for a week doesn't mean that you're a bad mom like maybe it means that she's one like (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you know what you saying that goes back to some of your chapters in your book or the words in your book about not this comparison and this competitive in this world that's part of our noise and we have to center ourselves to focus on the now and not all the comparisons that we do with our kids and it sounds like your mom really really good at that with you um so tell me too the role you mean both of your parents were pastors so faith had to play a big role in your childhood and upbringing too can you talk a little bit about that and then maybe also bring us up to when you got that diagnosis the role that faith played in that yeah for sure i mean it was just kind of like an and like a a constant part of um just like who we were and stuff like that um I don't mean this like in a weird way but like I don't know like I, I I have friends that they had like every night at this time they would do like a family devotional and stuff like that which that kind of stuff is awesome like totally not totally not knocking it um I don't really remember anything like that with my family I mean it would be like if we were like studying a certain book or if my dad just really felt led to share something with us, he'd be like, Oh, I want to share this after dinner. Like everybody, you know, heads up or whatever. Um, but it was just like such like faith was just an integral part of who we were, you know? Um, and it it was an, an ever evolving conversation. Like I, you know, my dad had this, um, a study like this, well, it was like a family library, but mm-hmm. he like did his sermons in there, uh, prepped for his sermons in there. And I just, I knew that there was like always an open door for like, it's 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and he's wrapping up his sermon about to go to bed. And I knew that I could just like crawl out of bed and walk in there and be like, Hey dad, can you explain the Holy spirit real quick? Like, like dad, do you have five minutes? Cause I need to go to yeah. bed, but can you just tell me? Yeah. Yeah. And, after, and after that, I need you to explain to me um, speaking in tongues and then I'd be like, yeah. but you only have five minutes. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's just like the kind of family that we have, like, and uh, so I, I'm grateful for that because it just made it, it didn't make faith seem like, oh, this is the Sunday morning expression. It was like, no, this is a day to day. And so when I was seven years old is when I you know wanted to experience that for myself and self and a relationship with God for myself. And um, I again, with the whole concept of like just not stressing out about like comparison and stuff like that. Um, I was just like really, um, I was really grateful for, um, um, my dad because so one thing with anxiety is irrational fears and, um, we didn't know that that was a part of my diagnosis, um, when I was seven, but, um, I've always, I've always struggled with like being fully immersed in water, um, and so like, even like, it just, it just like, it gives me a significant amount of anxiety. And so, um, like, it's just always, I don't know. It's just even like, and some people like might give me a hard time for this or whatever, but like, even like for, until I got to college, like taking baths or showers was, I had to mentally talk myself through it. Like it was just really hard. And that's something you have to do every day. So obviously like it had a significant impact on my everyday life, just like having this anxiety every single day. So um, as far as like what we believe, like, uh, being fully like 
submerged, I think is the right word when it comes to baptism. That's a part of, you know, um, like a, a testament of your faith, if you will. Um, I didn't get baptized until I was nine, but I accepted Christ into my life when I was seven. Um, And I share that because that was just one of the ways that my father was like, look, if this is something that you're not able to do, like one, you're just not able to do it. And we're not going to force you to do something that is making you afraid. You know, again, we didn't have the vocabulary of anxiety at that time um but also i think it's just such a good testament of faith because it 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 was you know i think about the the man on the cross that was next to jesus when he says you know you will be with me in paradise it's i just that affirmation that my father gave me of like god still honors you you know what i mean like god still sees that you desire a relationship with him um so i uh i feel like that was such a good setup for it's like foreshadowing of like everything's gonna become a hot mess in middle school you know it's like like giving me this like preface of like look you think it's hard now and um so yeah so when my symptoms showed up i mean i didn't really struggle faith-wise until my diagnosis because that's what i wonder you know, yeah yeah, up until my diagnosis, it was just this annoying thing. And, you know, it was a lot of testing, a lot of overnight, um, a lot of overnight hospital visits and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, had, I, had, I had asthma my whole life. Um, I had pneumonia seven times before I was two. Um, so going to the hospital to me was a thing that you did to figure things out. Right. So I even though it was traumatic in many ways as a child experiencing that it didn't ever come up as a faith conversation because I was like, Oh, well, this is a part of what you do. You have to figure out what's wrong. So it was once they told me what was wrong. Once I found out what my diagnosis was, that's when I was like, Oh, well now we fix it. You know, asthma has an inhaler, pneumonia has this like Tourette syndrome. And they're like, Oh, well, there's no cure, you know, ADHD, it has a bunch of medication that's looked down on in your community. You know, it's like, um, and I just, I struggled with that. You know, I, I didn't have a, um, I, I definitely come from a church where we understand that brokenness is a part of living on earth. Um, but at the same time, like, because of like pastoral counseling and things like that, I had watched my parents walk through, you know, walk with couples through devastating situations. And I had watched my parents pray for people and then God chose to heal those people. So I was just like, why, if that's the thing that we do, if that's the thing that we believe in, then why is it not the thing that happens for me? You know? Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was frustrating. And, um, I really didn't start to understand that until I was like 14, you know, like three years into my diagnosis. Right. And I want to, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you, Jamie. All I wanted to just back up before you say that, because I want to give a good explanation of Tourette's because I think there are, I mean, I I know because I've looked, read dental and reading for my own daughter who has, ticks that aren't severe enough to be labeled as Tourette's, but I think so many people think Tourette's is just a slew of bad words. Um, so right, can, right. Can you just give a good working definition of Tourette's and what, what that means for you and your body. 
Right, exactly. Forgive me. Yeah. So Tourette syndrome is a neurological condition or neurobiological condition uh, that causes movements and sounds that are uncontrollable called tics. And so, you know, some people have it. It's definitely a spectrum because some people will have very mild, more tic disorders. And so they might make a squeaking sound or do some blinking or some finger snapping. Um, and and as I, you know, I'm quite past puberty. I'm almost 30. And so mine is kind of settled in um, and I've learned how to manage it for sure. Um, but the severity of my texts from ages like 9 to 15, yeah. it was mostly arm, arm and leg uh, twitching. So just imagine like my arms and legs bending, but um, it was every like 10 to 15 seconds and it was rapid enough to where I was fracturing bones regularly. Um, so um, I spent like every other month with ace bandages on. I mean, I would, the, 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 they were hairline fractures. So they were such small fractures that there was not going to be a cast, but they were significant enough to where it was causing like near immobility, if you will. Um, some of the recommendations from, um, from like doctors, because I had some other ticks as well, like with my neck, my head, my hands, um, they would say, well, yeah, we could put her in a cast because it might prevent, you know, um, it fracturing again, or we could put her in a neck brace, but then those would prevent my ticks. And so to just simply not do the ticks is not at all the solution. Um, there's kind of a phrase called ticking away where if you kind of hold your ticks in for too long, um, like a lot of kids will do at school or yeah. with friends. Um, then when you get home, you let all of that out. And so that was just like the worst idea to put me in a neck brace or to put me in a cast because once I take it off, then I could possibly go into something that would resemble a seizure. Um, but at the same time, because I was straining my muscles and fracturing my bones and stuff, the braces were the only recommendations. Um, so it was very much a catch 22. Um, I, I was unable to do a lot of schoolwork just because I was unable to focus. I wasn't really able to go out much because it just, it got to be a safety hazard me being in the car um we could take pillows and things like that but um it was just it was just so inconvenient at that point for me personally my parents were more than willing but you know if my mom's like oh i have to run to the store i mean that's an extra five minutes just to get me to the car and then yeah. 15 minutes by the time you have to keep stopping the car because i'm you know, taking so much in the back seat, And so it just, I was like, I'll just stay home. Um, I really struggled socially because a lot of the kids in my like homeschool groups and um, my youth group were very uncomfortable by it. And um, some resorted to bullying as well. So okay. there was just a lot of, a lot of isolation. Um, but again, having that balance of home, having that safe space of home, having a mom that never made me feel bad for mm -hmm. sometimes hitting her because of my tics and having a sister that would come in my room and like read me all these random books that she had in her room. Like, you know, having a dad that would come and put on like jazz music, you know, my grandfather, he brought me a drum set. Cause he was like, 
I feel like this is obvious. You know, it's like her <laughs> arms are flailing all yeah. over the place. You might as well put a drumstick in her hand. Yeah. Um, and I learned how to play the drums. And for three Same years, with my I daughter, was, she's like, got her drum, I love her piano, it. her ukulele, and I, I just the similarities yeah. are just um, just fascinating. And also, this it gives me just a new empathy for her. Just hearing mm. your, your story of because the layers of what you have. I mean. You had not only you have Tourette's anxiety and, o, and OCD and the ADHD. I mean, that is a right. lot, Jamie. And at the age that's so hard for this middle school awkward teenage years. Yeah, and exactly. you're really you're really vulnerable in your book just writing about how isolated you were and how you felt like you just didn't belong. And I think so many probably of your fan, I mean, you're very honest, so your fans wouldn't probably be surprised, but you're somebody that is so, it's very famous and popular. So hearing that that's what you experienced in middle school, high school, I think, I don't know, it hits home with a lot of us and it just makes us all not feel so, so awkward and left out. Just right. your, willingness, <laughs> your willingness to share and be really honest and vulnerable about it. Mm. Um, well, thank also, you. It's it's very true. I mean, I can tear up because I just see here the similarities with her story. But again, um, it gives this mom hope to know that God mm. can make beautiful things out of our broken pieces. And yeah. you, going off what you just said about your grandpa giving you the drums. So did you know and did your family know like that music was what was calming you or? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Playing? So my, my dad plays drums. My mom always has sung in church and stuff like okay. that. And I mean, music is always, you know, pastors, kids in the South, like that's just like a given, <laughs> but that's just a part of who we are. And so when my grandfather brought this drum set over, it was, I had this really kind of transformative year, if you will, um, within the same year that he brought this drum set over. And I was, I mean, it wasn't even so much that, I don't know. I think it was just kind of like this moment where my brain just started to focus on something else um, that was louder than my ticks, if you will. Um, you know, which is such for me, such of the irony of writing a book about finding quiet because my life is filled with so much noise. And, but playing the drums was just so helpful because it just, it drowned out the noise that I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And it drowned out the sound that was too loud. And in that year was also when I fell in love with the scripture, Psalm 30 verse five, um, which is, as weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And, and that's another a scripture that I felt like really drowned out a lot of noise that I just couldn't handle because it just gave me this freedom to weep. And it gave me this freedom to have joy. And it gave me this freedom to not have to know exactly how long the night would be or exactly when the morning would come, but just this freedom of knowing it's okay to have pain and it's okay to cry about it. You know, I, I, in, in my traveling of, of being a full-time artist, I've had so many people that at the end of my show, they're like, okay, well, we just want to pray for healing for your Tourette syndrome. And one, I don't usually let strangers pray for me. Cause like, I just like, I just like, I don't know who you praying to. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know you. Like, no, if you're like a pastor of a church that I'm attending, like that's different. But, like, right. I'm not just going to let like, Billy be like, let me just lay hands. I don't know you, Billy. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, so like that's like one thing for starters, but I always tell people, I'm like, look, you are more than welcome to pray for my healing because I believe that my God is capable. Like, don't get me wrong. I believe my God is capable. However, I also believe that it will be in his timing and not my own, which could mean heaven and not earth. And so while you're more than, while you're more than willing to like more than, uh, welcome to pray for my healing what i ask is that you will pray that i learn how to turn my weeping into joy Mm. and that i that i learn how to turn my pain into purpose and that i learn how to take the adversity that i'm facing in my life and to use it for the glory of god you know i mean for conversations like this you know hearing that i'm able to and even a little bit encourage you when it comes to your daughter like imagine if i didn't have tourette syndrome like yeah this could be a really cool conversation but it wouldn't be the same conversation right and so i you know i like people you know people always joke about like when you have a daughter that she will be all the things that you gave your mom a hard time about and i mean it's very true like my daughter is so goofy and she is like literally like every story i've ever heard about my childhood like she is me and i'm constantly calling my mom like oh my gosh what do i do like what do i do and i just think like what if my mom didn't have a crazy child to raise you know and and i say i say crazy in a compassionate way like what if my mom didn't have a goofy child to raise like then she wouldn't be able to help me so i'm like i'm glad you went through everything you went through with me mom because now i have this this goofy little outgoing child that i'm trying to like she's so uh independent and i'm trying to foster that into being you know purposeful and not bossy you know what i mean so um i'm grateful that you know the adversity and stuff that i faced in my life has made me who i am today and as long as god has this as a part of my story like i'm i'm willing to keep learning Yeah. And we have to allow him to use it, which you do. I mean, like you, I can, if we look at our lives with none of this adversity, I I question what, what kind of testimony would we have to the Lord? Like who would I even be? Yeah. So that is such just a good reminder when we are in this hard and this pain, like feel it, but then also be willing to let the Lord use it. And you are a perfect I'll say perfect. You are a great example of that, Jamie. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. So going back to your story and the music, I know at 15, you became a YouTube star. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of how your fame started. And then by the time you were 19, you were nominated for a Grammy. And yeah, pretty much it, overnight, <laughs> things exploded, which also meant the noise and chaos in your life exploded. So talk a little bit about that time in your life um, and just kind of how you, you coped with life then, because that was a crazy time, especially for somebody that deals with anxiety. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's crazy because when it first started, like it was like the best of the best, you know, and I, I don't get me wrong. I have, I've had lots of great experiences, but yeah, I started YouTube when I was in high school and then, um, I got discovered, um, I got discovered by a, um, what's it called? Wow. A kid's TV show uh, called I shine. And they were with TBN 
And so I toured with them from 17 to 19 and I did their TV show and it was, it was busy and it was noisy and it was loud. But one thing that was cool about it is like when I was in college, I started college at 16. And so I was always like the youngest, awkward, weirdest kid everywhere I went. Um, but with iShine, I was, I think the second or third oldest out of all these kid stars, like from Disney and Nickelodeon. So it was like one of the first times in my life where I really got to step into this new role of just being around a bunch of kids who were different. And I was one of the older ones and it was just such a great experience. Um, as I got older and as the whole Grammy award thing happened, all of that, I just, I started to realize how much, especially in the entertainment industry, how much success is deemed by noise. Um, and you know, you have to, when you walk off that stage at night, at the end of your show, if they're not chanting your name, you're not successful. You know, if you have a show and all the seats sell out, if you don't sell out enough so that you have to book a second show, then you're not successful. You know, when you walk off an airplane, if paparazzi isn't rushing up to you so much and it's so loud and so noisy with people screaming your name so that you have to now go get a private jet, you're not successful. It's like... And that's not everyone, but that is a lot of what happens is that success is is controlled by like, well, how much noise is there? And that's relevant, I think, in so many of our lives. You know, it's the volume of things. It's like, oh, well, how much did your car cost? Oh, well, you guys must be successful. Oh, are you leasing it? Or, oh, you paid that up front? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Your car's successful. Or it's like, especially for women, like when people ask like, well, what does your husband do for a living? You know, people, w women have a different response. If you say, oh, my husband works in construction versus my husband's a doctor or my husband's a lawyer. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, she's the one that I need to be going on walks with because, you know, whatever. It's like, right. it's success is deemed by like how loud, how big, how much. Um, and that's so unfair because when our minds are so crowded and flooded with noise and sound and busyness, like we are not, we're not like God is able to move in all of that for sure, because God can do anything, but we're not giving him space to move, you know, he, and he will create this space. Like God doesn't need us to be humble or quiet to do what he's going to do. But are we being humble and quiet and giving him a lot, welcoming him and inviting him into that quiet space to move? You know, like when we think of like the things that we're going through in our lives, like, you know, some, some of us, we like, there's d different chapters in the book on like wanting to always fix things and, you know, needing to let go of control of things like that. Like there's all these different things and it's like, well, wanting to find purpose, wanting to find value. Well, how do we do these things? Well, how do we do these things? Like, well, when's the last time you sat down in the absolute quiet for five minutes? That's right. That's right. Like when's the last time you just sat down and said, God, I want you to move. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to do. I'm just going to let you speak to me in this quiet. Right. And as a mom, that's so hard to find that time, let alone yeah. a mom, <laughs> let alone a mom that is a person that is a well-known singer, songwriter, traveling. I mean, all those things that cause anxiety, those are the things you started having flood your life, the crowds, the noise, right, the travel, right. all of that. So 
you really are an expert on how how to manage that noise. And so at what point did you realize like th this is too much noise and I need to be intentional of finding quiet in this chaos? Was that yeah. just a gradual or was that like a click with you? Like, I can't I can't survive with this if I don't. Well, I think I just started realizing in my early to mid 20s that I was so different than I was when I was a child. Yeah. And which is totally okay to be different when you get older but I wasn't liking a lot of the things that I was seeing reflected um I wasn't I was trying to figure out like why is my anxiety way worse at 23 24 when I supposedly have everything I could have ever dreamed of um and I was like why is it worse now than when I was 11 years old in the hospital for three weeks at a time like like this is not something's not adding up like something's got to go um and so yeah so it's definitely been um you know like i said i'm i'm almost i'll be 29 in november i'm so ready to th turn 30 by the way i've been waiting to turn 30 since i was like eight <laughs> years old so i talk about it all the time so i'm almost That's 30 like, and <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready i'm so and 50 is gonna be even better um but yeah so i don't know i'm, I'm, cool. I'm gonna it, be hitting there oh, and i don't know that i want to be hitting no that you are going to love it think <laughs> okay. of yourself at 18 think of yourself at 18 yeah, right. all the stuff oh, you thought you knew you're you right. just thought you were just the queen of everything you're right and then and look at the wisdom you have obtained that is right oh, you're, you're so i right am with so <laughs> i am so ready to like look back at my younger self and be like you didn't even know baby girl yes yes you're right, you're um, right. so so yeah so it's but so it's been it's been a journey of 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 understanding like something is too loud you know i've i've been in counseling on and off for uh for my 20s and um about 2 years ago just after i gotten married was kind of when and like right when I got married, um, we had also like just moved to, like, to LA instead of kind of living a little further from the city, um, which I, I'm a Georgia girl. I'm not used to living in a city. And LA so is a lot of city. We went there last yes, year. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like I love working in LA cause I love mm -hmm. humans, but like I need to smell cows i know it sounds clear but i i have to smell a cow at some point right. from my drive to my house to the grocery store like i need to know where that where the meat is coming from that i'm buying and so right. i was having a hard time like with just so much noise and i started journaling about finding quiet and kind of some of the practical things that i would do honestly were just timing myself three minutes at a time ten minutes yeah. at a time just intentional actual just sitting with quiet time and my sister kind of read the journal that i was working on um and she was like like this is a book like this needs to be a book so so that is you know the book finding quiet it's my journal and i mean i know that it's i guess like a self-help book or a christian self-help book or something but honestly it's my journey because this isn't something that i've mastered and this isn't something that i will ever master or that anyone will ever master i mean definitely we'll all have different tools that we can provide but um it's a journey for sure and and like you said as a mom it's hard to find quiet you know i think i've literally said this in every interview about the book but it's just my favorite thing about my daughter but she will not only come in the bathroom while i'm trying to use the bathroom but she will bring my ukulele and ask me to sing for her 
Like, and I, I'm looking at her like, you didn't pay, you didn't buy a ticket to this show. Like, I don't, I don't sing on the toilet. Like, what, what are you doing in here? Um, so it is so hard as a mom to find yes. quiet. Um, but for my mom, when she would take us to and from homeschool groups, she would not have any music on in the car, you know, no devices. You know, we didn't have iPads back then, but none of that stuff. It was absolutely quiet. And was that annoying for us as kids sometimes? Yes. But first of all, did we pay rent? So no. So how are we going to complain about what she's going to do in her car that we don't pay for? That's right. um, but, but she was just like look i want to teach you girls i want to teach you the discipline of embracing quiet mm-hmm. of embracing listening to what the wind sounds like of knowing what it sounds like when you roll down the window of like what does that mean what what is it when you pull up to a red light and you hear um a homeless person asking for money versus just seeing them because your music is so loud like what or or someone you know what, what whatever it is like the honking of the cars like the, the 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 siren that we hear is it annoying because it interrupted our podcast or are we now choosing to pray for the person that might be in that ambulance like what are we be intentional about using that quiet time my mom used to my mom was is one of the busiest moms i've ever met you know she's a pastor a pastor's wife a mom a grandmother a homeschool teacher an entrepreneur she's my manager my sister's manager she's so busy but every time she's in the car she's like no music no podcast no radio no phone no ipad just quiet yeah and in my 20s, I started realizing that I was deviating away from that way too far. Um, and this is just my journey of, of, um, of getting back to that place. Yeah. And your book is so, um, not only just so raw and vulnerable, but it's going to speak to so many women, if not all of us as women. I mean, you're coming from the perspective, mm, obviously, of somebody that's dealt with anxiety, OCD. Yeah. I also have struggled with anxiety and you spoke to me, but I think if you didn't even have those underlying issues, this world is so loud and busy. And if we yeah. aren't intentional of creating that time, we're just not going to, I mean, right. and your book has so many, like you said, it's your journal, but it has so many reminders and prompts and questions and even simple things. Like it really hit me. Like I'm always listening to podcasts always. Yeah. And then reading that chapter that you talked about, yeah, you too. And then I was like, why, why am I like always have to have that noise? And right. this has been a hard year for me, um, just with mm. my, my dad passed and I've had a cancer diagnosis, mm, all this sorry. crap. But I've oh, noticed, like you spoke to me, like I've wanted my world louder. And that is just so we don't feel things. Like when there's yeah. quiet, we, we feel pain more. We feel, and yeah. And it's going to come out somewhere if we don't feel it. So it's right. like, yeah, it's easier for right now to fill it with noise, but that's not the healthy. That's not the way God speaks to us. That's not the way we heal. So I just, I can't encourage people enough to women to get your book, to go through it. It will speak to you. And it's so needed right now in this noisiness of life. Um, it's called right. Mindy Quiet, releases October 13th, right, Jamie? Is that it? Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. And tell us where else that you, well, before I do that, I know we got to wrap up on time, but two questions I'm trying to remember to ask all my guests in this season. I'm like hitting every other one, but tell mm-hmm. me right now, because this world is so hard to find joy at times right now, where are you finding joy and how are you staying grounded right now? Mm. Both of the, the same answer goes for okay. both. And that's my family. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I am, I am a professional isolator. I'm really good at it. When I get stressed out, my husband has more than once, um, like we have a, my studio has a walk-in closet and that's where I record my vocals. But he has more than once opened the closet to me just sitting there and crying and not recording anything. And me just hiding away and choosing to just deal with everything by myself. Uh-huh. So, so much so, easier that way, right? It's <laughs> so much easier. F- future Jamie hates it, but present Jamie embraces. Um, and so, yeah, so my family is, you know, having that intentional time to spend with my family and just talk to them about what I'm going through has been, um, yeah. is just one of the best things that I could, that I could do. So, yeah. Mm, in food good but not like in an unhealthy like eating my feelings way but you know what i mean yes good food family and food that's that's perfect okay so jamie (laughs) tell us where you can be found because you have a podcast you have a patreon community so tell us all those things that people can connect with you and what you're doing and all of that yeah, thank you. Uh, my podcast is it's the Jamie Grace podcast. And so um, you can search that, but also it's easiest to just find all the links uh, on Instagram if you use it. Jamie Grace H uh, is my Instagram. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up with social media. I grew up on the internet. So if it's YouTube or TikTok or Twitter, uh, anywhere, if you type in Jamie Grace, uh, you'll find me. Okay. And we'll put links to all of that. Um, and I have to give a shout out to a couple of your songs. I want people to look up to marching on. You use, you use your ticks in that song and I can't wait to I do, have yeah. my daughter <laughs> and listen to that and show her that. Cause I was just listening to that today. So that's an awesome song people need to look up and then live about it. You have so many phenomenal songs, but those two, I just Thank want you. to tell people if they, have not listened to you recently to go find those two and listen to. Okay, Jamie. Thank you so, so much. much. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for coming today or coming. Thank you for meeting and, talk, <laughs> meeting and talking with me to Jamie and just being so vulnerable and honest in your story. Of course. Thank you so much for listening and appreciate it.